It was several years ago that my husband, Chris, and I took our very first trip to the Holy Land. We went with our church at the time. It was the Elk City United Methodist Church. And and I highly recommend that everyone goes to the Holy Land, but especially go with your family of faith. There's something about going with uh, the people that you worship with and fellowship with that makes it incredible. It's what made this last trip so special. We went with a large group from here at St. Luke's. We went with our family and our family of faith, people that we loved, and it was just an incredible experience. But on that very first trip, we were not knowing what to expect uh, for a trip to the Holy Land. But I have to tell you, as soon as we arrived, we felt incredibly safe the entire time except for one little period that we felt a little uneasy. Now, not for any reason that you might imagine. It wasn't because of security. It was because we took the old road to Jericho. Our driver was, we were on a a large coach bus, one of those large tourist buses that held almost 50 people. It was modern at that time. And much like the bus that we took this year, it was air conditioned, it was very plush, and it was very large. And our driver took us on this road, the back way to Jericho. Our guide described it as the ancient road. And I think he was very generous when he said the word road because there was nothing road-like about it. There was no pavement, no guardrails, no real road to speak of. It was a mountain path, and it was stones, and it had a sheer drop-off to the ravine below. And so it was very steep. It was very narrow. I don't think anybody would be comfortable driving a car on that ancient road because there was not enough space for another car to pass you by. There was only enough width for one car, and here we were in a large bus. At times, there was only three feet leeway on the side of the bus before it dropped off down into the ravine below. And I remembered thinking that maybe there were some on the bus who were a little bit uncomfortable by that situation. I remember being at the back and looking at the window at the front of the bus, going around a corner, hugging the mountain wall, and yet part of the bus seemed to be hanging over the edge. And I knew that I was getting ready to make that same uh, corner I remember looking out the window and looking down and and you couldn't see anything below you. And I thought if someone were to want to get off the bus, I'm not sure that there would be enough road to stand on. You really had no other choices. I thought if another vehicle came, that vehicle would have to back down because there was no place for us to go. We could only go forward. and, And I think that was the whole point of that journey. There was no turning back. There was no turning around. We could only go through that valley. This morning, we're continuing on with our sermon series, The Lord is My Shepherd. All of us have been very familiar with the 23rd Psalm. We've heard it in church. We've seen it used in movies, on television. We've heard it read in funeral services all our lives. And yet, for something to be so familiar, there still is a lot about it that's misunderstood. One of the biggest things is that we have this belief that it's about death. 
And truthfully, it's about life and specifically how we live with the Lord as our shepherd. We weren't meant to be held back, but to live life to the fullest, to follow the shepherd into life uh, more abundant. A couple weeks ago, Dr. Long started us in this sermon series, and he said that the theme of this sermon series is to know that we can trust God. We can trust God for the entirety of our lives. Now, there are some very basic needs we have in life, needs for food and water. And so we hear the psalmist say, He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. We have a need for guidance throughout our lives. He leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We have a need to be free from fear. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We have a need to be consoled and and comforted and to experience healing when we're broken. You anointest my head with oil, my cup overflows. And we have a need to know that nothing in this life or the next will be able to separate us from the love of God. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This morning, the scripture passage from this psalm that was read is the part that deals with death. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, this is not about dying. It's about choosing to live even when you're facing something that frightens you, when you're consumed with fear, when you're facing death, choosing to move forward, to keep on living, to not get stuck there in the valley, to stop and be paralyzed. Now, this past month or so, we have seen so many terrorist attacks in Lebanon, in Yemen, in at the border crossing between Jordan and Syria, in Orlando, Florida, and in Istanbul. These have been terrible things that have happened. More than 100 people have been killed. Many more have been wounded, and thousands upon thousands all around the world have been affected by the terror that they've seen. And that is the point of this. Whoever has caused them, there are different groups that have taken responsibility and individuals who have been inspired by terrorist groups, but they all have one thing in common, and that is to inflict terror, to paralyze us in life so that we get stuck in the valley of death and we're afraid to move forward. This past week, you may have seen the news clips the news reports that Thomas Kemper was in the airport at Istanbul during the attack. Thomas Kemper is the executive director. He's the leader over the United Methodist General Board of Global Ministry. 
and he was awaiting a flight there when the attack started, and he started hearing gunfire and explosions, and so he hid out kind of in this employee area until people came and told him that it was safe to come back out. Afterwards, he gave reports and interviews, and he said, it was a reminder to me that I need to fight against terror and hate every day. And it was a reminder to me of how thankful I am for my family and for life. All of these attacks are meant to terrorize us, to inflict such fear in us that we can't move forward, that we do nothing, and we can't let that happen. We can't give up. We can't give in to hate. We are called to follow the shepherd and live life as Christ would have us live it, to live life to the fullest for ourselves and for others. I think there are three things in today's scripture passage that can help us do that. First is to remember the very first of this uh, verse today, I will fear no evil. A couple of weeks ago, Dr. Long shared with us a little about the physiology of sheep to help us have a better understanding of this psalm. He talked with us about the vision of sheep being very different than our vision. We have binocular vision, meaning both of our eyes work together looking forward at an image and getting that one image that our brain then interprets. Sheep have eyes on their side of their heads, and they have monocular vision. means that they have great peripheral vision compared to us. They're able to see everything that's going on beside them. Now, when they look down to graze, their peripheral vision almost surrounds them, and they can see if a predator's coming. But when they look up, they have very poor depth perception, and they're not very good at seeing what's directly in front of them. Now, for shepherds in the Middle East, there are several places that they refer to as valleys of death. Typically, they're mountain passes, pathways that are so narrow that usually only one sheep can fit through this path at a time. They can't walk side by side. And there's not even enough, enough room for the sheep to turn around if it gets scared. The only way out is through to keep on moving. And these mountain passes are a, a pathway above a deep, sharp ravine. Now, most of the year in the Middle East, these ravines, these gullies are bone dry, but occasionally after the rains, they fill up with raging floodwaters that become even more dangerous. Can you imagine a shepherd leading an animal that has poor depth perception, and poor frontal vision along one of these narrow, winding, treacherous paths. They have to trust and rely on the shepherd. They can't get caught up in fear because it will stop them in their tracks. Last week, we received an email from one of our pastors in Russia. Pastor Katya is the pastor of the United Methodist Church in Tiumen, Siberia. Now, she was sent there when it was a new church start, and she was able to build this church and, and build a congregation, and they built up a church building, and, and it's been a slow, hard process for them. 
You may remember a few years back when we were telling you that they still needed to finish the windows and the roof on their building and the heating. And that particular winter, they were meeting in the basement of the building. And in one month, the average monthly temperature for that month was 34 degrees below zero. These are people that work so hard for the ministry of the church. They were finally able to obtain the windows and the roof and the heating for that church. And they've gone out into the community and done incredible things. Well, she was emailing us to tell us about the children's retreat that they just held and and then a youth retreat. But then at the end of the email, she told us troubling news. On June 25th, the Russian government almost unanimously passed a law saying that anyone outside the Russian Orthodox faith cannot share their faith outside of their church building. And that applies to any private building a church might try to rent. It applies to residences and it applies to online. That means that You can't have a faith group meet in your home. You can't have a Bible study or a women's group or a youth fellowship. You can even email someone and invite them to church. Now, President Vladimir Putin still has to sign this into effect, but I can tell you it's already cast this dark pall over the churches there. And I have to tell you that my sister in Christ, Pastor Pastor Katya, has already worked so hard. It's hard to imagine even more darkness being sent her way. But what is her recourse? What is she to do? Does she get caught up in the fear? And her fear is very real. The fines that are imposed for breaking this law would be devastating to her personally or to the church. The fear is real, but she can't be held captive by it. She can't become paralyzed. She has to keep going. And I can tell you that our prayers, our support, our encouragement desperately needed for the church there. I know that neither Pastor Katya or her church family will stop in their endeavors. They will continue to share the good news and the light of the world with a country that's being enveloped in this darkness. They remember they will not be held captive by fear. Second, it's important that we remember the phrase, for thou art with me. God is with us. Even if we wander off the path, God is there with us. Now, over the recent few years, we've heard stories of sheep that have escaped their farms and wandered off for several years, and they have never gotten sheared during that time, and they've developed these massive coats. There was Sean the sheep from Tasmania, and then there was Shrek the sheep from New Zealand, but last year, the winner of all of them was Chris the sheep from Australia. When they found him, they realized he had been a sheep that escaped almost seven years prior, and he had put on so much wool that it weighed twice as much as he did. Now, these people cared about him, and they were able to capture him and bring him back home. 
And typically, it takes a professional sheep shearer only about five minutes to shear a sheep. And this particular type of sheep yields about 10, 11 pounds of wool. Well, they had to send off for a specialist, fly him in, and it took them almost an hour to cut through all of that wool, and it weighed over 90 pounds. Now, I can tell you the end of the story is that Chris the sheep is now living with a new flock and and sporting a much lighter coat of wool and doing just fine, but he had no idea that the wool and him evading the shepherd could have killed him. Sheep don't know these kind of things, and yet this amount of wool could hide infections, it could weigh the sheep down, it could cause them to get ensnared, it can literally kill them. They don't realize that they need a shepherd. There are times in life that we can kind of wander off, or through circumstances around us, we can seem to forget the need we have for a shepherd. Now, in the case of sheep, it doesn't matter that the sheep don't realize that they need a shepherd. The shepherd knows. And it's the same for us, too. When it's a good shepherd, they closely watch their flock, and they know when a sheep wanders off, and they're there to rescue it and bring it back, to bring it back home. We can take comfort that God is always with us. Recently, one of our members shared a story with us. Don McIntosh is a member who attends at St. Luke's Edmond. And back in 2006, he was part of a group that was sent to Iraq to help train the new Iraqi police force there. He said that the entire time they were there, they were under the threat of violence. There were constant hostilities and attacks against them. He was always walking through the valley of the shadow of death. He remembers the sound of bullets pinging against the side of his Humvee. He remembers the mortars that were lobbed into their camp. He remembers seeing roadside bombs and He remembers the police headquarters where they were conducting their training being attacked by rockets. Every day there was a matter of life and death, but he took comfort knowing that God was with him. He felt God's presence, and that allowed him to keep moving forward, to keep helping the police officers there to have the training so that they could be safe, so that they could help others. He felt God's presence in a very real way. One of the things that was a tangible reminder to him of the presence of God was a gift from the chaplain in their group. Their chaplain had given all of their group a bandana, a camo bandana that had the 91st Psalm printed on it. And that Psalm talks about God's presence and protection. Now, I got to see this bandana And I have to tell you, it was very sobering for me because I discovered that all of the men in this this group had written their blood types on their bandanas in the case of an emergency. And to see his blood type there by the psalm made it very real of the kind of danger he had experienced. 
but he read the psalm and kept it close by to remind him to not be paralyzed by fear. Let me read to you a part of Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, who abides in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. Now, when I reread this psalm, I couldn't help but be be caught up in one particular phrase. He who abides in the shadow of the Almighty. I want you to think of that for just a moment. He who abides in the shadow of the Almighty. I think there are times in all of our lives where we will face darkness. Maybe we've lost a job. We don't know what we're going to do. Maybe we've lost a relationship and it's devastating. Maybe we're facing our own health scare or we're facing the loss of a loved one. And it feels like the darkness just swallows us whole. It's in those moments that I think it's important to read this kind of psalm and remind ourselves of the presence of God. In those moments when darkness seems to be all around us, we may not realize that we stand in the shadow of the Almighty. We don't recognize the shadow of God because of the darkness all around us, but God is that close in times of trouble that his shadow is cast upon us. God is near, and we abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Despite the darkness around us, God is with us. We can take comfort that even in the darkest moments of our lives, we abide in the shadow of of the Almighty God. And third, it's important to remember the phrase, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The psalmist here is writing of the two tools of the trade of the shepherd in that time. The rod was two and a half to three feet long and it had iron at one end and it was a weapon that the shepherd would use to protect the sheep against any kind of predator. But if you think about it, that's not very long. That's, that's within arm's length of being within a lion or a bear or a wolf. But that's what the shepherd would do. The shepherd would lay down their life for their sheep. They would protect them at any cost. And then the shepherd carried around the staff. Now, we recognize that as the shepherd's crook. And sometimes we see this in paintings of Jesus where it's the long stick with the hook at the top. And that's for when a sheep might wander off or be frightened away and and maybe stumble off the path and the shepherd's crook reaches down and the hook of it can pull that lamb back up to safety. And so the rod and the staff represent the strength and the mercy of God which are always with us. On our recent Holy Land trip, 
It was an incredible experience. We had so many people there, and one of the places that we visited was the house of Caiaphas. Now, the house of Caiaphas has good reason to be believed to be perhaps the last night where Jesus was held before the crucifixion. We know that Jesus was taken to the high priest's home and questioned before the high priest and most likely was kept there in a dungeon cell. Now, recent excavations have dug out some of these prison cells beneath the residence, and we were able to see some of the prison cells carved into the rock, but one stood out in particular, and it was kind of a, a, a reused, a redone cistern, a huge pit dug and carved in the stone with a hole at the top where they would lower a prisoner with a rope under his arms and probably not very gently drop him through that hole into the pit below. Through their excavations, they've added a staircase for pilgrims to go down and be able to view this structure, this dungeon, and they've added lights around the walls. But of course, in the day of Christ, the prisoner would have been kept in utter darkness. And while we were there, there were several who read from Psalm 88. And I want to read to you a passage of this. O Lord, my God, I call for help by day. I cry out in the night before thee. Let my prayer come before thee and incline thy ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to death. I am reckoned among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength like one forsaken among the dead. My eye grows dim through sorrow, but I, O Lord, cry to thee. In the morning, my prayer comes before thee. Well, in that dark, lonely place, we, we couldn't help but be caught up in the emotion of, of the one who wrote this psalm. And we could imagine what Christ must have felt facing his own death in that very dark place. Later on, we went to visit the garden tomb. And it's a place that perhaps is a location, a possible location of the burial of Christ. Now, we don't know if it was there, but it happened someplace around there. And, and the nice thing about the garden tomb, it was a quiet, lovely garden, and we were able to see what an ancient tomb looked like carved out of the rock of the wall. And I couldn't help but think of the women who ran to the tomb that first Easter morning. Scripture says that they got up before the sun came up and they ran in the darkness to the tomb. They were full of grief and fear. They were going to prepare the body for burial, and they didn't know what they were going to find. They didn't know how they were going to roll the stone away, and they were running in fear in the darkness. And there an angel was there to tell them, don't be afraid. And they saw that the stone had been rolled away, and somehow they had the courage, the hope, to enter into the tomb. Now, as dark as it was on the outside, I can only imagine how dark they were afraid it was going to be inside. And yet, they were not paralyzed with fear. They continued to move forward. And 
they found the stone had been rolled away, not for the sake of the resurrection, but for their own sake. They thought they needed the stone rolled away to prepare a dead body for burial, but they needed the stone rolled away so that they could see that death had been swallowed up and the Lord had risen. They stood in the shadow of the light of the world. Tomorrow we celebrate our day of independence, our day of freedom. Women and men have fought throughout the ages to give us this incredible gift. Women and men have fought in valleys of the shadow of death and sometimes paid the ultimate price so that we could choose to keep living. We will not be held captive by fear or hate. Our destination was never meant to be the valley of the shadow of death. Our destination is following the shepherd. And we will live in such a way that honors God. We will remember the rod and the staff that have meant so much to us. We will remember in the way that we live. And so we will protect those who have been abused, who have been hurt and wounded. We will speak up for those who have been denied a voice. We will ensure healing for those who have been wounded. And we will stand up for what is right and just. We will remember the staff that has picked us up from the times that we have fallen, and we will show that same mercy. We will not be held captive by terror or fear. We will not give in to hate. We will not give up. We will live with grace and mercy and strength and treat everyone with the kindness and mercy that we have been shown. We will follow God through the joyful times and the times of struggle because we know that is our destination to follow him. And we will boldly proclaim, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayers.